This modern world is of particular interest to women. Betwixt, at the intersection of faith and culture. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to the Betwixt podcast. I'm Deb Gregory. As I'm curating the new season of the podcast, I wanted to take a little break and bring you Advent greetings. This Advent, I've been thinking a lot about Mary and Eve. Now, there's a crayon and pencil drawing that is just stunning. It was created by Sister Grace Remington of the Mississippi Abbey in Iowa. And I'll link to this image in the show notes, or you can do a quick Google search. Uh, Look for mississippiabbey.blogspot.com backslash 2013. Also, if you go to the show notes, you'll find a meditative exercise that I want to encourage you to make space for as we approach Christmas. But for now, even if you're not able to retrieve the image, it's okay. It's a very simple picture, and I'm going to describe it to you as we go. So in this image, there's a border of tree leaves and fruit, and in the center are two women. The one on the left is Eve. Her hair covers her body like a fur dress and her head is downcast. She's clutching a piece of fruit to her chest. The tail of a serpent is wrapped around her leg. And next to Eve stands Mary. Her right hand is gently cupping Eve's pink cheeks with the tenderness of a mother. Her other hand is pressing Eve's hand to her very pregnant belly. Mary has a peaceful, calm, and assured look of compassion. But when you look down at her feet, you notice that she is trampling the serpent that has wound itself around Eve's leg. The serpent's head is upturned and Mary's foot has trapped him confidently under her heel. Now, as I sat with this picture, what struck me was a serpent. Well, I should say, what struck me was God and the way that he struck the serpent. The verse that immediately came to mind was Genesis 3.15. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you know, deceived the woman and ushered death into the world and brought about the fall of humanity, cursed are you. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. In this image, Mary's posture toward Eve draws out the surprising, compassionate response of God in the wake of Eve's disobedience and the destruction that followed. This was the first hint of one of my favorite biblical motifs, the prophetic reversal. This is where God promises to disrupt everything oriented toward death and flip it around toward life. And in this picture, Mary is the embodiment of God's compassion. She incarnates, quite literally, the mercy and the hesed loving kindness of God that breaks the cycles of death's reciprocity through love. In an astounding way, we see this at work within the serpent's curse. Hidden within the curse, Eve was given a glimmer of hope. Although she had colluded with the serpent, God promised to flip that around and make them mortal enemies. And more than that, He ordained that it would be a woman who would cooperate with Him, who would participate with God in defeating the serpent. 
All this declared to Eve right on the heels of her disobedience. Thanks be to God. Now Eve, she expectantly waited for a son to bring about this salvation, but none of her sons were the promised one. Another woman and another seed would yet come, and, and so we begin to see this enmity between the serpent and the woman build throughout Scripture. And with the advantage of being on this side of history, we know who that woman was, right? Irenaeus, in the year 180, wrote, The knot of Eve's disobedience was untied by Mary's obedience. And with the virgin Eve tied by her unbelief, this Mary untied by her belief. Now Eve and the other mothers of Israel, they didn't know who this woman would be. But they held on to the promise and they waited in expectation for a woman who would participate with God in the work of salvation. And many women stepped forward in expectancy to look darkness in the eye with the hope of crushing the serpent. And through their obedience, these women tugged and they pulled at the knot of Eve's disobedience. Timothy George put it this way, Mary appears in the infancy narratives as the culmination of a prophetic lineage of pious women. There was Sarah, there was Rachel, Hannah, Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth, all active in the unfolding salvation story. He said there is a sense in which any of them could have been the mother of the Messiah. And then there were three women in particular who helped craft a deeply honored tradition of deliverance song. Along with their yes to God, we hear echoes of their war songs in Mary's triumphant battle anthem, the Magnificat. So these three women, first there was Miriam, who in obedience saved the baby Moses from the river, and later Moses with Miriam at his side delivered the Israelites from slavery under the Egyptians. And so we see Miriam look darkness square in the eye, even into the eyes of Pharaoh's serpent crown, as she participated in the work of God's salvation. And as the people crossed over the sea onto dry land, she sang a triumphant war song. Her song and her life declare, salvation comes from God, count me in. And then there was Deborah. When Barak refused to go to battle without her, Deborah said, son, salvation will come to Israel, but it will come at the hands of a woman. And the Israelites defeated the Canaanites. The general Sisera fled to the tent of Jael. And do you remember the story? She crushed his head with the tent peg. Jael looked darkness square in the eye as he slithered into her tent and under her rug. She arose and participated in the work of salvation. And then Deborah sang her song. Salvation comes from God. I will arise. Count me in. And so we see there is this waiting and expectancy for women to say yes to God and participate in the work of His salvation. One more, Hannah. She too looked darkness in the eye. The priests were exploiting the people, sleeping with women, and the people were worshiping other gods. Personally, Hannah was experiencing ridicule and faced oppression. But Hannah was expectant for salvation, and I don't think she was just longing for a child only in that kind of deeply personal way. But her song reveals a prophetic expectancy that God would flip everything around and He would save Israel. And she said, count me in. I'm barren, but count me in. And God gave her a son, Samuel, 
whom she gave back to God. And she sang a triumphant war song about the salvation of God. Amanda Miller notes that these three singing women arise during states of liminality in Israel at key transition points in Israel's historical and political experience. And Mary's song, Miller says, is at the center of Israel's transition into the inbreaking of God's reign in the world. And so Mary, most blessed among women, just a young girl who looked darkness in the eye in the days of the Roman Empire. And when the angel came to her and said, Greetings, highly favored one. I think she knew exactly what this was about. She knew. She was expectant. And soon she would be expectant. And she was terrified. And she said, Yes, I'm in. May it be done to me just as you've said. I am the servant of the Lord. And then she went to her cousin Elizabeth and she sang the prophetic battle song of revolution. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, and He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Just as he promised Eve. Mary was the first Christian. She was the first to hear the gospel announced from the angel. She was the first to preach it to her cousin Elizabeth. She was the first to know Jesus as the Son of God, just as she knew him as her own son. She was the first to receive Jesus into herself, the first to follow him. She may have even picked up his toys and shoes along the way. And she was with Jesus throughout his ministry. She was with him at the cross. She was with him at the tomb. And I've wondered, why is John's birth narrative so different from the other Gospels? And then I remember, oh, Mary. Mary, remember how John and Mary adopted one another at the foot of the cross? Perhaps when John was writing his Gospel, he asked Mary over dinner one night, Mother, tell me the birth story of Jesus. And she said, Ah, the first Toledoth, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Mary knew her son was the Logos, the Word made flesh, come to dwell among us, tabernacled in her own body. And now tabernacling in all who receive him, we learn about incarnational living through Mary. 
Oh, how the light shines in the darkness. And as Paul reminded the Ephesians, you were once in darkness, but now you are light. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, just like the mothers of Israel sang. Salvation comes from God. Count me in. And so this Advent, may we follow our Mother Mary by waiting for the return of Jesus with expectancy. May we be the women and the men who say salvation comes from God. Count me in. May we look into the darkness because it is dark out. And may we bear the light of Christ, singing and being filled with the Spirit. Thanks be to God. So as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, there's a meditation on the image of Mary and Eve that I wanted to share with you. You can find it in the show notes or at betwixtpodcast.com. So to end this episode, I'll lead you through this exercise. Now, you can do this on your own at any time. This is an adaptation of a pantoum exercise I learned from Tara Owens, which I crafted around this image. It's incredibly beautiful, and you will walk away with a personalized poem that I anticipate will vocalize God's compassion toward you, just as he extended it toward Eve. So what you'll need, two pieces of paper, something to write with, and this image of Mary and Eve. So when you're ready, on one of the pieces of paper, write the numbers one through six with space between each number. I'm going to ask you a series of six questions with one minute in between. This is going to feel like lightning rounds, but you can pause the recording whenever you need to for more time. However, I do encourage you not to think too much about it. Just write from a stream of consciousness. Let your first response speak the loudest. Okay, so when you're ready, flip the paper over to the blank side and take a moment just to sit with this image. Write down everything that strikes you about the picture. What emotions can you name? Now, flip the paper back to the numbered side. As I ask each question, answer it with a word, a phrase, or one sentence. Number one, notice Mary's loving posture toward Eve. How do you feel when you know that you are loved?
Number two, imagine yourself as Eve caught clutching the forbidden fruit and the serpent is winding around your leg. What do you think Eve is saying to Mary? Number three, now imagine Mary speaking to Eve. If you were Eve, what would you need to hear most? Number four, what do you think stirs within Eve as she believes the consoling words of Mary? Number five, what do you think the serpent is saying to deceive Eve again? What is the lie from Satan that has bound you?
Number six. Consider Mary as she carries within her the promised seed that will crush the serpent and destroy sin and death. What does incarnation feel like to you? Or how do you think Eve feels as she touches Mary's belly? Okay, so now we're going to put all this together to create a poem. Now, if you've opened the file in the show notes, you can see how to assemble the lines into a poetic form. And if you don't have that, I'm just going to walk you through this. So take that second sheet of paper and write stanza one at the top. And then leave space for four lines. In descending order, write line one, line two, line three, and line four. Easy enough. (laughs) Now, write stanza two. And under stanza two, write line two, line five, line four, and line six. And under that, write stanza three. And under stanza three, write line five, line three, line six, and line one. So now go to your six questions and take the answer for each question and put it in the corresponding line under each stanza on the second sheet of paper. So your answer for question one, you're going to write on line one. Your answer for question two will go on line two and so forth. And when you're finished, I want you just to take some time to sit with this poem in prayerful silence. Listen to God's voice as you read it through a few times. What is God speaking to you this Advent? And if you're willing to share, I'd love to hear and prayerfully hold this poem with you. You're welcome to post it at the Betwixt Podcast Facebook or Instagram pages, or send me a copy at deb at betwixtpodcast.com. So I hope this was of great encouragement to you. May God bless you and fill you with the hope and expectancy of Advent. And Merry Christmas. I threw it all out start all over again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Betwixt Podcast. You can find more Betwixt episodes and view our show notes at betwixtpodcast.com or you can visit my partners at missyoualliance.org. Missio Alliance is resourcing a church reimagined for a world recreated. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed and given Betwixt a positive review on iTunes or Google Play. If you haven't done that yet, please consider taking a minute to help me out. This really is the fuel of podcasts, and it makes a big difference. I'll be
special thanks to my friends Rivoli for sharing the music that you hear now. You can check them out at ryvoli.com or Facebook slash Rivoli. Hey, it has been a real pleasure to produce this podcast for you. Thank you for holding liminal space with me today. Catch you next time. <laughs>